Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the show based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guides. This is an ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive's author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby, and your host, DJ Payne. G'day and welcome to Thrive Deeper, the Bible podcast. This is episode 133. It's your old mate and your host here, DJ Payne. And on this episode, Matthew Jacoby and I sit down and we continue our trek through the book of 1 Samuel. This is our second episode on this book, on the life of, of the prophet and priest Samuel, Israel's last judge. And now we move into Saul, King Saul, Israel's first king. We've got so much to cover. Plus, I want to tell you about a fantastic book that Matthew's recommended to all of us. It's A Praying Life by Paul E. Miller. This is a special offer we have for you to pick it up at a record-breaking low price. You're going to keep on listening to find out how to do that. All right, let's get into ancient Israel's history here on this episode of Thrive Deeper. Matt, we start this episode, and I have to say, I sit here in total shame. <laughs> I, t- I sit here in total embarrassment. No, your shame has been lifted off you, DJ. <laughs> please, please, please absolve me. Now, dear, dear listener, listen, listen, this is what has happened, and I'm going to go out there and admit what's happened. As we record this, we're recording early on a Saturday morning. Mm, not Matt- as early as we should have. <laughs> Oh, this is so embarrassing. I ended up having a, a, a very deep and meaningful with a group of guys around the world uh, over Zoom last night on a Friday night. I went to bed at 3 a.m. this yeah. morning, Yeah, right? 3 a.m. Sa- Sunday morning. Now, I had my alarm set sure. <laughs> for when Matthew yeah. was coming over That's to record right. five hours later yeah. at 8 a.m. Right. Sunday morning. And I was sitting here like a loser <laughs> in the studio- Waiting for waiting for DJ to come out. Could you hear me snoring from the studio? Could you hear me sleeping from inside? Uh, no, I oh, couldn't. How very so I tiptoed out, assuming that you were still asleep. Fine then. You didn't. You didn't try coming into the house to wake me up. No. Oh boy. How 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 shame. So this is the area of shame we mm. we we come to at the at the start of this episode. Uh, you know, if so, if I sound a little bit more sheepish than usual, you'll understand no, why. You're all right. <laughs> I, I, I'm Be glad, not ashamed, brother. I, I'm glad you've forgiven me. You've glad you yep. forgive me. Uh, now. Uh, we we are in the book of First Samuel. This is mm. our second episode going through the book of First Samuel. On our last episode, we covered the first seven chapters, mm. and on this one, we want to cover the next eight chapters, from chapters eight to fifteen. And just to give people the the overview, and please, if you haven't heard it, go back to the last episode. Uh, we're looking. At, you know, uh, you know, in this first first part of Samuel, uh, we're looking at uh, obviously the person of Samuel who was the last judge coming out of the season of the judges. You know, that lasted roughly mm. around about four hundred years in the ancient, you know, in ancient Israel after Joshua brings the, the promised people into the promised land. Uh, the judges rule for you know a few centuries, and at the end of that era, we have this great priest and judge uh, and prophet, the person. 
and Samuel. Mm. Uh, Samuel, um, you know, is is one of the main characters at the beginning of the book. Uh, he, you know, and that's what we looked at last last uh, on our last episode. His life. We're looking at roughly around about. Uh, you know, 1,000 years before Christ. You know, there's a mm. nice round number for mm. you. Uh, the books are sort of chronological, but not necessarily chronological. Mm. So some things might feel a bit weird as you, you know, come in and what happens. And uh, we we are now, um, you know, some of the themes, and I'll mention this again because a couple, uh, you know, I think I think this is helpful. Some of the themes are sin and consequences. And the, and the author does that. The authors do this by contrasting mm. people. Yeah. The, let's compare this person yeah. with this person. Lots of comparisons here. Yeah. Lots of comparisons there. Uh, we get we get a uh, uh, we get a bit more of an insight on the power and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the people at this time. Um, we also get a really great sense that God is in control no matter what is going mm. on out there, and we now are entering into this whole theme of. You know, the anointed king, the Davidic mm. covenant, what does all this actually mean? And this is what we're going to get into this episode, because after mm. Samuel has been ruling the people and judging the people with his team mm. for most of his life, we start here in chapter eight, Yeah, Israel coming to Samuel saying, it's time. Yeah. We want a king. Yeah, we want a king. I'll say something about that in a moment. Let me just uh, comment on something that you just said. Yeah. Um, and that is the contrasts between uh, various people. That that actually uh, flows out of, you know, Deuteronomy 28 to 30 with the choice that yes. Moses gave the Israelites, choose this or this. Yeah. And the intention there is to create a very polarized picture of two completely different ways of living. Yeah. This was also... Um, very much uh, part of the law and the function of the law in getting them to dress differently and look differently and and do so many things differently to create a sense of distinctness, that you're a distinct uh, people. So, the idea uh, of polarizing things uh, is, is very important in the Bible. Yeah. And so, these comparisons that we have between uh, between people actually function as a kind of commentary or a, or an illustration of that polarization. Yeah. Um, so you know we're going to see a comparison between Saul and we, and David. Yeah. And this you know the two different kinds of uh, people, even between Saul and Jonathan, between Saul and Samuel. Yeah. Uh, because one represents the wrong way, one represents the right way. But we also see with that with that <laughs> point um, there, and that's I love I love mm. how how rich that is, especially in these in mm. what we're going through now. But we also see in in choosing the way in living in this. You know, black and white world, yeah. which I really enjoy because I love I love a black and white world. Yeah. You know, grey is not exactly a lot of fun, but uh, you see how you how that that um, it, it's it's living on a knife's edge sometimes. People yeah. people who are at one stage, you know, living in the white areas, living in yeah, the holy yeah. areas, make a couple of wrong choices, yeah. and all of a sudden, yeah. you're that's you know, right. But even there, there's an element of of um, there's a desire to polarize that to see that that it is it is a bad thing you yeah. know and the purpose is to draw you over to the right thing yeah. so this is not yes. none of this is saying um you know these people are locked into this and yes. these people are locked into yes. that true, the true. purpose of polarization is that those who are in the black will step over to the white yes. to use that uh, imagery yeah. um but it's very important that you recognize that, that the difference is recognized. Yeah. And this, you know, we see this right through scripture in the ministry of Christ, of course, 
um, we see Jesus constantly polarizing those who are with him from those who are not. Yeah. Then you get to the book of Revelation, yeah. and the book and of Revelation is, a, is polarization all, o- all the, over. The most, uh, there the are most, those, yeah. yeah, there are those with the mark of Christ and those with the mark of the beast, and yeah. uh, and and it's a great polarizing uh, book. So, yeah. um, so that gives that's us what a, we're seeing here. W- w- would I be right to say? I mean, you know, the purpose of the Bible is to bring us closer to God. Yeah, the purpose of the Bible is to give us an insight in God's heart and yeah. mind and how He thinks. Would you say that this by 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 meditating on on this yeah. you know black yeah. and white factor yeah. this polarizing factor, God wants us to understand that because I think we get a sense some of us will push back against against the black and whiteness the yeah. polarizer and go oh you know life is complicated we can't really know about certain oh that's that, that that's a different thing let's not over apply okay. this point uh, because yes there are lots of gray areas in terms of what we can and can't know or do yes. you know in terms of what god so 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 there are things in the bible that are black and white yeah. and there are things that that there are gray areas now we don't serve the gray areas by making them black and white, but neither do we serve what's black and white by making it gray. Right. And one of the things that, that is black and white in scripture is the way that God wants us to live our lives and the choices that he wants us to make. Either he is our God or not. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I mean, fundamentals. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And and in fact, even in our lives, this is what the Holy spirit does. He polarizes thing, by the way, using that term, yeah, which you, as a photographer, will be yes. familiar with the concept of polarization. Yeah. How, how would we? What's a good way of explaining polarization? Okay, a, polar, a good way of explaining polarization is a polarizing. You have them on your sunglasses. You'll see it's got polarized on it. Uh, photographers will have a polarization filter if they want to put that in front of their camera. A polarization filter is a is a on a microscopic level. The glass, think of it like a sieve or a yeah. grid. Mm. that is allows light rays that are only moving in one direction to come through and all the other light rays mm. are pushed aside. So that's why with you see the examples, they put the polarizing sunglasses on and then all of a sudden they can see through the reflection of the water or the window yeah. because the bouncing light rays that aren't moving directly towards right. you are now pushed aside. Wow. But that was a thorough, you know, that was a thorough is that, is, that, is that okay? So, so when, you know, you, you get those polarizing, uh, you know, in, in Photoshop or, or some of these other simple programs, even, even, on, even on my iPhone, you know, yes. you have these settings where you can polarize a photo. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can do it on PowerPoint, images yes. on PowerPoint. Yeah. And it, it actually, it separates... Yeah. Black and white, really, you know, harshly. yeah. Yes. So you get you get fewer greys. So if you say got a black and if you got a um, uh, a black and white image, yeah. um, it it turns all the greys into either black yeah. or white. Yeah. And uh, and I think this is what in in our lives when the Holy Spirit, um, the work of the Holy Spirit in our life is taking what perhaps seems like a maybe a dull, vague sense of I might not be in the right. Here, yeah, <laughs> makes that painfully, painfully yes, uh, uh, evident. Yeah, you know, uh, polarizes, yeah. um, and uh, you know, the polarization is what happens when when the sun shines really, really brightly. Yeah. The sh- you, you notice the shadows yeah. all the more. It, yeah. it polarizes, yeah. you know, um, and so so this is what this is what's happening here in in. What the biblical writers are doing are shining a lot of light yes. on these events, yeah. so that we see where the shadows are yeah. and where 
uh, that's a good know, way of putting it. I yeah. like that. I like that. So let's. So the characters that we're dealing here with is obviously, uh, you know, the 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 uh, the the priest, prophet, and judge Samuel, yeah. who has, uh, you know, who is now. Um, married with a family and is ruling and it sort of has a bit of a circuit, you know, circuit, yeah. uh, you know, itinerant, you know, work in this area of, uh, you know, this, the tribal areas of, Isra- yeah, of Israel yeah. here. Uh, we, we're going to meet Saul, the first king. And yeah. in fact, this episode could be called the rise and fall mm. of the yeah, first king, right. first king yeah. Saul, right? This is what we're going to have. And then again, and then it's important to go, okay, so the enemies we're going to be meeting, we have the Philistines who are the, the sea people of, you know, over to the west of Israel, and then we have the Ammonites and other other tribes yeah. over to the to the east and yeah. in, in the hills and stuff. And they're they're the enemies yeah, that Israel, right. as this growing nation, is fighting. And so now we get in our first example, yeah. a real good example of polarization. You know, the people of Israel, and I like the reason why they come to Samuel because Samuel is almost following in the pathway of his mentor and other mentors yeah. that we get in the Bible, a godly great man who who is second only to Moses. Yeah. This is Samuel yeah. in yeah. the way that God speaks to him and the yeah. way that he leads. His two sons are awful. Yeah. And yeah, the they're, pe- not, and they're the, not walking in, in his ways. That's right. It's and really the, and, interesting. And, and the yeah. people point that out to Samuel. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. fight them about that. Yeah. Your sons aren't going to do the job yeah. you did, and there's and and the circumstances here. Uh, this is this is a point at where uh, to both the east and the southwest, the Philistines and yep. the Ammonites, as you say, are really pushing against the borders, and yep. people are panicking here. Yep. And this is often opposition polarizes things in our in our yes. lives, yep. and and often God will bring that about. Well, he you know God will put you in trying circumstances. Yeah. Because if there's a lack of faith or a bad attitude, yeah. the pressure of those circumstances <laughs> will bring that to the surface, right? And this is what happens with the with the Philistines now coming into full strength. Yes. And the Philistines are a people with you know enormous enormously technologically advanced compared yep. to the Israelites. Yes. Uh, they've moved well into the Iron Age. Yeah. Israel and, and and a lot of the other Canaanite nations are still very much in the Bronze Age. Yeah. Uh, in this sense, so so the Philistines have really uh, moved forward. You know, and, and they're also a seafaring <clears throat> people going to other places. They are. Uh, you know, yeah. they're, they're, they're getting out and spreading compared yeah. to this tiny little Israel. Yeah, yeah that's you know, right. The tribes in, in there. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and, and so the pressure on their borders here is is actually making them panic, right? And it's and this is where there's a um, they come to Samuel and they say, "We want a king." Now, the problem here, uh, and this is presented as problematic. Yeah. The problem here is not. A, a king, because it was always part of God's plan that they would have a king. Yeah. Okay. But what they actually say, and this is uh, this is explicit in the text, they say in verse five. Yeah. Now appoint a king to lead us, and here's the important bit: such as all the other nations have. have. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> you know that throughout this section, we'll see that the the text gives us key clues. Yeah. Uh, to help this polarization process, uh, so we're not. So this is the problem. Again and again, you know, in the law of Moses, he said, "You shall not be like the other nations." But they're saying, "We want a king." That's fine in and of itself. But no, we want a king like all the other nations have. We want to be like them. 
we want we want to be powerful like that with that kind of and so um, so rather than with with these enemies pushing on the borders rather than say rather than repenting and coming to Samuel and and saying seek God and and you know no no we we need uh, we need a human solution yeah here and and, I, and it's not sometimes I've read this and I thought. Oh, they're just having a political discussion, but it's not just a political discussion because God makes the point. He sees their heart, yeah. and He says to Samuel, and Samuel goes into bat against the king, like yeah. Tom. The speech from Samuel in this chapter, in chapter eight, about look, they're going to he's, he's going to take your sons, he's going to take your daughters, yeah. he's going to take. Yeah, the you don't know what you ask. And this is this is interesting because uh, because even I mean, it's interesting uh, in in reading. Um, uh, I mean, I've sort of dip here and there into a bit of anthropology and, and the rise of empires and yes. why why do people uh, get behind rulers yeah. that exploit them? Yeah, and the reason is fear. Yeah, uh, the reason is because uh, it's a trade off. I will I will give you my freedom in exchange for your protection. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so what they're so what they're asking here, instead of going to God and saying, God, can you protect us? They are uh, saying that basically doing the big, the great exchange, which is we are, you know, we're going to allow ourselves to be exploited and, uh, you know, to, and Samuel points this out. Yeah. Okay. So you're, uh, this is what you're asking for. He he concludes with it. He says, right, this is the trade-off, you know, um, you are going to beg relief from the king. You know, yeah. you, this is a king you want, and you want this relationship with the king. Yeah. But you will be his slaves. Yeah, that's right. And it's interesting that in the biblical notion of kingship, okay, uh, the king, you know, the the king was always meant to be under the law, and part of the law were these systems of justice that would prevent exploitation. Okay, so I mean, one of the problems later on, so you know, so David is this kind of king, except for those moments yeah. when he exploited his own people, such yeah. as uh, in the famous case of David and Bathsheba. Yeah. On the whole, Solomon was this kind of king until later in his life when he starts overworking the people and exploiting his, yeah. and overtaxing his people. Yeah. Um, so, it's, it's when, when kings move from the biblical notion, God's yeah. model for kingship, to like all the other nations have, that's the problem. And so, um, but this is what the people are asking. And, and it's an amazing, this is this is what, you know, I, I, I sort of alluded to last in the last episode, but maybe we bring it out more here, is that God understands, like the, the softness in God's relationship with yeah. Samuel is beautiful here yeah. at the beginning. He's almost patting him on, the, on Samuel on the back saying, look, mate, I know how you feel. Yeah. <laughs> they've rejected me. Yeah. Now they're rejecting you. Yeah. You're welcome to the club. Yeah. You know, I was their king, but they have rejected me every step along the way. You've been their ruler. They're rejecting you now. Yeah. But, he, but, he, but then God's almost giving this sense of it's going to be okay. Yeah. I've got a plan here as yeah, well. That's right. So, and part of God's plan, and, and this is, we see that this is often the case. If we really, really want something and we won't let go of it, something that's bad for us. Yeah. Sometimes God gives us what we want yeah. so that we learn the hard way not to want that. And so, and sometimes even through that, he'll make it work out. Yeah, for he'll make Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Some yeah, in in the mystery of God's providence. Yes. So what what's going to happen here is that God is going to give them what they want. Yeah. 
he, he will find exactly what they want, mm. uh, and that'll be Saul, and he will give them what they want. And we're going to meet a guy that is, uh, you know, a paranoid megalomaniac. Well, well, I, well, well not, I, not, not in an extraordinary sense, actually. Yeah. And, and I, I should be careful to point that just in an ordinary sort of human sense, and, and, uh, but, but who, who gives way to that. That's a great point. Well, let's meet him now. In chapter yeah. nine, we we move in and we get to meet the king Saul. Yeah. yeah. And so we we hear hear from Saul. He is a Benjamite. He is, uh, you know, the most this and this is I, I love this. He's the most handsome man. In all of Israel. So, imagine, yeah, yeah. listeners at home, whoever yeah. the most handsome man that you can yeah. imagine is, who knows? So, so notice how, how much, so, so he's taller than everyone else. He's, head, and, head and shoulders yeah. above everybody else. Yeah. And, you know, again, depending on what scholars you read, they weren't exactly huge people back then. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, the Israelites yeah, yeah. and, you know, people yeah, of this yeah. era, they, they, they were quite, so imagine a huge strapping guy. Chiseled, good looks, great, yeah, yeah. you know, great physique, yeah. and everything, and and he's just to look at him, you go, wow, you swoon. To, yeah, to, that's to, right. Yeah, to, to see this, and guy. doesn't this contrast with when we get to chapter sixteen, and and when when uh, God sends Samuel to go and anoint David, the yeah. man after his own heart, yeah, and and um, Samuel looks at David's oldest brother, who's Handsome tall, handsome. Yes. Oh, surely this is the guy, and yeah. God says, yeah. do not. Do not look at the outward so, appearance. Yes. God looks at the heart. So this is actually stands again. Talk about contrast. Yes. This stands in contrast to that. So first, God gives them what they want, yeah, and then before He gives them what He wants. So it's all He's all presented as out, outward appearance. Yeah. So we get this tall, dashing young Benjamite um, who is, uh, you know, you know, working for for his father, who obviously they've you know got some wealth and stuff together. Yeah. You know, quite an quite an established uh, you know um, you know family there. And he's out. We we introduced him in a, in an interesting circumstance, and one that I think that is meant to ingratiate him to us in the story because he seems like a genuine down to earth guy. Like they're looking for. Missing animals, yeah. Uh, you know, for his father, he's working out there with his servant. <clears throat> that you know, they've been looking so long; they they're out of food. Um, they're trusting in in you know in the Lord. They're saying, "Okay, God's going to help us. Maybe we can see the seer." I yeah. the, the prophet. I, I, I wonder. Let me let me put this to you. All right, here we go. This, I was about to say. I was about to say. Give us <laughs> your a first few of these things. There's a few of these things in this text. Okay. But I wonder the fact that the circumstances around Saul's, uh, you know, around uh, um, Saul's anointing, let's say, uh, his search for a lost animal. Yeah. I wonder whether the whole search for the lost animal thing is in some ways a reflection of God and God's people. Okay. Perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Given that that is a metaphor that's often used, you know, the straying sheep, uh, both in the Old Testament prophets and Jesus uses the same thing. I just wonder whether that's going on here. Now, so, okay, so you've got that. Mm -hmm. Then, so Saul and his servant uh, goes out and, uh, and, you know, he's kind of giving up. He gives up on, on the search. I, I I thought the same thing. Okay. This is what I was hoping you were going to bring out. I get the sense. I get the sense. And again, I don't want to. I don't want to play. I, you know, you hate to stereotype anyone. Yeah. But I guess I'm of that generation, being a Gen Xer, raised on the type of movies where if you get the big football hero, yeah. 
you want to play him as dumb. Yeah. You know, you want to play. And I get the sense of Saul going, oh, we can't find anything. We're out of food. Let's go home. And it's the servant. It's yeah, the godly, that's right. It's the it's, servant. It's the godly servant who says, well, hang on a minute. Um, I've got, you know, we need to take some money to the sea to do it. And Saul's yeah. like, I've got no money. Well, the servant goes, oh, I've got some money. And it's all the well, servant doing yeah, all yeah, the stuff. Yeah, that's stuff. right. It's the servant. So, so part, of, part of that is that, I mean, Saul basically is living within five miles of Ramah, where Samuel is, yeah. more or less. Yes. He has no idea that Samuel even exists. Yeah. The servant yeah. knows. The servant's one saying, let's go up and, and, and consult yeah. the man of God. Yeah. Uh, Saul is so pagan that he thinks, because in the pagan world, if you want to go and see a diviner, you've got to take money, yeah. right? Saul's, not only does he not know that there's a man of God there, but as soon as his servant sits, he says, oh, have you got enough money? Yeah. Like, he's assuming we're going to go and see a diviner. Yeah. This is how, you know, this is how alienated Saul is from his, uh, you know, his tribal faith. Yeah. You know, uh, so, okay, so they do that. They go, you know, they go and seek them. And, and, and God had already pre-warned Samuel. Yeah. You're going to meet the- This meet, is the guy. This yeah. is the guy. Yeah. This is the circumstance. You're a prophet. Let me tell you yeah. exactly what's going to happen. This is a guy. He's, he's a complete pagan, right? He yeah, thinks- yeah. That guy thinks he's going to see a diviner, right? Yeah. Which is the absolute no-no. Yeah. Okay. Um, but look, okay, instead he's going to, he's going to meet the, in the genuine man of God. And when they finally, and they finally meet, it's almost like, you know, the big tall hunk bumps yeah. into the old, old man and is like- uh, you know, Saul. Saul's like, "Hey, do you know where this yeah. guy lives?" And it's like, "Yeah, I'm the guy. I, yeah. It's me." You know. Yeah. So, so what God says to when he's uh, in this, um, when he preempts this with Samuel, yeah. uh, he says, and this is down in chapter nine, verse sixteen. He says, "About this time tomorrow, I'll send yes. you a man from the land of Benjamin." Now, remember what we've just read about Benjamin too, by the way, in the end of the book of Judges. Right? It's not such. There's things aren't so good in that yeah. tribe. That's probably the most corrupt of all the tribes at this stage. Yeah. Um, uh, anoint him ruler over my people Israel. He will deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. I've looked on my people for their cries. Reach me. Okay. So. Uh, that sounds very much like the judges, doesn't it? It's like the cry, you know, the, the, their cry has reached me. I'm going to send them a judge. Yeah. Um, now, what we saw in the book of Judges is the judges get successively worse, worse and worse and worse until, you know, you get, uh, you know, and we end up with Samson. And this is about the same time. Uh, this is happening around the same time as Samson uh, right. elsewhere is doing his thing. Wow. So, so in a sense, Saul is in that ilk. He's like a Samson kind of figure. Yeah. And, uh, but he's going to actually become the king. Yeah. Uh, and the whole point is to prove that, no, this isn't the sort of king you king, want. Kings aren't, yeah. aren't exactly yeah. everything they're cracked up yeah. to be. So, when-, when, uh, when So, summarise the story for us so we yeah, can- Yeah, so they, they, they bump into each other and I, it is a funny thing. You imagine this, you know, goofy looking, tall, handsome guy who's distracted and trying to find the seer. Steve Samuel is like, hey, do you know where the seer's place is? And he's like, I'm the one you're looking for, dum-dum. <laughs> you know, always like dummy. Yeah. And he goes, look, don't worry about your donkey. He, you know, he prophesies over him, basically. Yeah. God's told me you, I'm going to hear, don't worry about yeah. your donkeys. I've got them locked up over yeah. here. Everything's going to be okay. What I need to tell you is that you are going to be the focus yeah. of all of the hope of Israel is going to rest on your shoulders. And Saul gets, Saul is very yeah. humble here. Yeah. 
You know, we get, we do get a, you know, he says, look, I'm a tribe of Benjamin, the smallest tribe in Israel. My family is the least important of all the family's tribe. Why yeah. are you talking like this to me? Like, I'm a nobody. Yeah. I'm a nobody. What, what are you talking about yeah. here? So Samuel brings him in and they have, you know, they have a meal and everything and they get ready. Uh, you know, uh, basically, you know, Samuel leaves it at the end of chapter nine. I've got messages yeah. from God for you. There's something real important, you know, happening. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. you're about to become king. Yeah. Um, and so, and then we go moving to chapter ten when he finally anoints him. Yeah, uh, you know they they you know the father comes in they're looking at all that type of stuff, and um, you know so he says so he anoints him and then he says after your anointing there's going to be these three signs. Mm. Uh, uh, he says when you leave today you meet two two men uh, near Rachel's tomb. Uh, they'll you know they'll point out that the donkeys have been found. Then uh, um, you'll meet some guys with loaves of bread going up yeah, to the shrine. Yeah, all this you know, and, and there there is a point to these these signs because by accepting this bread, uh that's bread meant for for yeah. um you know for worship. And so in a sense that which which is meant to be given to priests. And this is the first time that this by the way um is the first time we see a person other than the high priest being anointed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the king becomes the other class of person yeah. who is anointed from this time on. Yeah. Now, because of that, he has access to the sacred bread. We see that in yes. David's case yes. uh, later on. Yeah. So by accepting this sacred bread from these men, that's the second confirmatory sign uh, there in um, verse 3 and 4, um, he's accepting leg- legitimacy of his of his anointing these are little details that, yeah. that you can um and then the, the next uh one is that he's going to meet a procession of prophets this is a weird one yeah this is weird he's, and and he's going to start to prophesy yeah. the spirit of god's going to come upon him and he's going to prophesy as well yeah. now we don't ex- exactly know what that meant. even means yeah yeah, uh, yeah. but this is the Holy Spirit coming upon him. So, you know, we, we have we have other yeah. other examples, and we get a few other examples in this in this era here and in the books, and we'll yeah. get we'll get to them eventually. Where these there seems to be these roaming, you know, godly. Yeah, like let's yeah. let's let's make a point. They're not they're not pagan. Yeah. prophets. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. These are these are men of men of you know yeah. Yahweh God. You know the God of Israel. Uh, roaming around prophesying somehow with music that we have a yeah. sense that there's musical instruments involved, yeah. you know, whether that is, and it's, and it's a work of the Holy yeah. Spirit. Yeah. Uh, so much, and it was so foreign that Saul, you know, as this anointed person does this with the, with the things, it actually becomes a saying throughout Israel, yeah. meaning, can anyone just become a prophet by the phrase by is even Saul a prophet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, can anybody like because it seems like there has to be, um, yeah, a, a, yeah you know, a, yeah. A, a right type of uh, generational or a descendant yeah. or a tribe type of thing. Yeah, and the idea that this son, of, this Benjamite, became yeah. a prophet is so foreign. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, to the people's thinking because it had to come from a certain area. Can even Saul become a like? Yeah, is even right, Saul yeah. a prophet? So it's it's out of the norm. Yeah. It's, that's the my point. There is saying this yeah. is way out of the ordinary. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So uh, so after this, uh, Samuel of course summons all the people together, and uh, and he um, you know does this speech. And so now uh, you know he said you've. Now's that we're going to anoint you. Now your king is going to be uh, is going to be and, presented to you. And if you ever get if you ever wonder where the phrase "long live the king" 
yeah. comes from. It comes from this chapter here because you know when Saul present when Samuel is presenting Saul, the people shouted in unison, "Hooray! Yeah. Long live the king!" So, what do you think is interesting? By the way, why do you think? Let me ask you this question. Yeah. So, rather than just present uh, Saul to them because he's anointed Saul already. Yeah. yeah. Why not just go get Saul and say, hey, here's your king? Instead, we go through this complex process of casting lots and, yeah. and, and selecting the tr- tribe, then selecting the clan, then selecting the in- individual. Yeah. Why do you think? Why do you think he does that? Uh, well, what's the point of doing that? I, I, my takeaway, and please correct me if I'm wrong, my takeaway was <clears throat> to show some sort of. I don't know, level of fairness or so that no one would argue about it or I don't know. Like, Con- yeah. Perhaps, yep, con- uh, maybe a confirmation. Yeah. But can you think, when is the last time, the last story in which this kind of thing happened? Like, okay, to find the person. Yes, yes. Cast lot for yeah, the yeah, tribe, yeah, that yeah, tribe yeah. step forward. Now, cast another, the clan step forward. Now, the family step forward. When there's sin in the camp. When there's sin in the camp. So, now we're doing it the opposite So, it was with Achan. Yeah. It was with Achan, wasn't it? Yeah. So, now we're doing it the opposite. And then, when the lot goes on Saul, where is he? He's He's hiding. hiding. Yeah. So, so this, you know, the association with Achan, um, the fact that he's hiding when the lot- is, is cast on him to me. This this doesn't augur well, really. You know, th- this is a the the association here. This feels like no God is. Um, this is this looks like. Let me put it this way. This looks like an act of judgment. Yeah. And from what we've read so far, that's exactly what that this is. It, in a sense, like God is delivering His people, but He's also giving the people over. And this is what, as we know, this is what God does. So, you know, Romans chapter one, and God gave them over to the things that they wanted. Yeah. Now, what God, uh, hey, push back if you disagree. Yeah. But what God is doing with Saul is that he's giving them over to, to what they want. Now, God's going to work through that and he's yes. going to deliver his people through that. Yeah. Um, but there's also going to be. Uh, an a- element of judgment in yeah. this uh, as well, because he's giving them what they want. Now, not judgment in order to condemn them, but judgment to bring them to their senses. And, and we are being set up in the story. The other part of that is we are being set up in the story of of Saul, like starting, you know, in in one sense, in, like God is going to say, right, I'm going to use this. Like, let's let's set him up as innocent. Yeah. Let's set him up as you know, we, we, there's some yeah. question marks around him, and yeah. it's not going to end up end well. But let's set him up as something. Okay, so there is going to be a progression. We're going to see a progression yeah, yeah. Of, of the fall of Saul. And I love, there's a little point here at the end of the chapter, right at the, before the end of the chapter, as Saul goes back home, a group of men, who this is in verse 26. Yeah. I love this phrase. This is in the New Living Translation. A group of men whose hearts God had touched went with him. And there were scoundrels amongst them who sa- who walked alongside saying, how can this man save us? Yeah. And they scorned him and refused to bring Saul gifts. And Saul ignores them yeah. and goes, okay, fine. That's an important point to remember because we're going to yeah. see he's not going to do that for very much longer. Yeah. And and we, we might then assume that, well, because God touched their hearts and told them to, uh, in, in a sense, move them to 
um, support him, yeah. that th- that therefore means that he's a good king. Yeah. No, he is the king. Yeah. And you respect the Lord's anointed. Even David, yes. when he had the chance to kill Saul, you would think justly, in some sense, yeah. said, no, I'm not going to touch the Lord's anointed. So, God touched David's heart to support Saul in the midst when he was at his most corrupt, in fact. Yeah. So, um, I think that there are key indications in the text here that Saul isn't, th- th- there are elements of, uh, I mean, you use the word innocence, that he begins innocently. I'm not sure, sh- I-, yeah. I-, I think the okay. text shows from the fact that he has no idea who Samuel is, the yes. fact that he's treating Samuel like a, like a diviner, yeah. showing that he's basically willing to go and consult a diviner. Yeah. Um, uh, and I don't mean innocent as in sinless. I mean, like, yeah. well, well, it, yeah, at least humble, at least I, in a way, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, it's it's at least a pretense uh, of hum. I mean, is it humility or is it just fear? Yeah, uh, maybe a bit of both. Yeah, maybe a bit I, of both. I, I think it looks a little bit more like uh, fear, um, but um, anyway, I. So, so this is, but the point is, is that this is going to what's there is going to come to the surface because God polarizes things. God brings things to the surface. And we're going to see um, that this is going to become increasingly problematic as we move on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. So, let's leave it there. That's the end of chapter 10. Saul is acclaimed king. Samuel has been proven correct. And uh, we're going to leave leave him right there. Let's let's have a quick break and we'll come back and... It's not gonna. It's not gonna go. No, it doesn't get prettier. We, we, we're gonna. We're gonna go up a little bit. The roller coaster is gonna go click, click, click a little bit way up, and then we're gonna go all the way yeah. down very quickly. Yeah. So hold on to your hats. We'll be back in just a moment on Thrive Deeper. Hey there, family. It's your old mate DJ here, and I'm going to be really brief because this is a long podcast episode. Matthew and I sat down and we wanted to get all the way through to chapter 15. We don't get there. We only get to chapter 14. This is so long, this episode. So I want to be really quick with you now. We have got a special offer just for you. Paul E. Miller's great book, a worldwide bestseller, A Praying Life, recommended by J.I. Packer himself. J.I. Packer said, honest realistic, mature, wise, and deep. This book is warmly recommended. Oh my goodness, how many books have we got out there that have been recommended by J.O. Packer? Not many. So if your prayer life needs a shake-up, this is a chance for you to get a hold of this book at an all-time record low price. Plus, you're also supporting the work here at Thrive. So head over to thrivetoday.tv, hit that listener special offer, follow the link, and like I said, this is good for the rest of the month uh, until we might have sold out earlier, but you know, get a hold of it now uh, until we sell out, and it's only good for Australia. It's only good for books being shipped to Australia. Sorry, all our international listeners. That is A Praying Life by Paul E. Miller, a fantastic book to help your prayer life. All right, let's get back into 1 Samuel right now on Thrive Deeper. 
You're back on Thrive Deeper, and we're in the book of First Samuel. Uh, I feel like uh, you know a guy telling telling the congregation open open up your books, <laughs> open up your Bible to First Samuel chapter eleven. That's where we're at here, and we're talking about the- unless you're driving or you're going yeah. for a walk, which is probably a lot of people lis- are listening to that. Yeah, while if, they're you're the, if you're in or the, driving, so in the gym on the treadmill, yeah. imagine you're opening up your Bible <laughs> to the book of First Samuel chapter eleven. We're looking at the life of Saul, and now the first major thing that Saul does as king. And we've got to give him some credit here. I know you like painting. You're, you painting. Want to, you, you, you're wanting to give him a bit of credit. Wanna, no, that's fair look, enough. Okay. To, have a, yeah. to, to have a rise and fall of a character, we've got to have okay. a rise. Yeah, okay. So, uh, let me yeah. give him a bit of rise here. And this is his, this is his um, you well, know. Well, rise in the sense that the judges rose up yes. and did things. Yep. Yeah. And this is where we get Saul having his most, um, you know, rise moment, his, his kingly moment. He is, he's a, he is a man of war. And again, he's a huge man. Yeah. And he, uh, um, a month later, the Ammonites attack. You know the mm. the the other the other um, big enemy, Jabesh Gilead. Yeah, and uh, and Saul with the army, and with God's help, soundly yeah. defeats the Ammonites. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So um, they are uh, they are going to. They say surrender to us, and we'll gouge out. You know the the right. You know an eye from every. Which they'd already been doing for a while. Which the, it's not just cruelty. The idea is that it disables. Yes. It basically disables the nation from yep. rising up yep. uh, against them. I mean, it's pretty full on. Yeah. But this is the ancient world, man. That's that's how th- that was like ordinary practice in yeah. the ancient world. Yeah. It's just to subdue you. We're going to make sure you can't shoot straight. That's right. We'll take out one so, of your eyes. So they, so they send word, uh, and and that around uh, to all Israel, and Saul gets wind of this. Uh, and he he then does something interesting in verse seven of chapter eleven. It says he took a pair of oxen, cut them into pieces, and sent the pieces by messengers throughout Israel. Where where, where did we last see this sort yeah, of thing yeah, uh, happening? Yeah, of course, yeah. in that in, uh, in the book of Judges, in the book at the end of the book of Judges, you know the the Levite that in that case cut up his concubine and said mm-hmm. it was basically a call to war. So. Um, the association again with the book of judges <laughs> um, it's 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 hard to know uh, exactly what to make about that but i think he's he's doing things in a way that um reflects this very dark period of the book of judges that that i think the writer is moving us out he's moving us out from these very um Compromise judges, yes. and he's looking for a king who is after his heart. Yeah. And there's a whole lot of stuff here that looks very much just like the judges. I mean, there's good stuff too, like the fact that when he hears this, it says the spirit of the Lord comes upon him. And this is a pattern throughout the book of Judges. Uh, you know, we see that, uh, you know, God raised up such and such a judge, and the spirit of the Lord came upon them, and they win some great, vac- yeah. some great victory. So, the pattern of the book of Judges we see here as well. So, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon uh, Saul. He cuts up the animal, sends the pieces around. So, he's operating like one of those judges. Yes. yes. But the point is, God wants his king to be a different sort of person than the book of Judges. So, that's why that, that's what I think the allusion to the book of Judges here is kind of placing Saul's actions in that kind of ilk. Yeah. So, legitimate- 
in in one sense, yeah. but something that God wants to move beyond as well. And we get so he has a, he has a sound defeat, and God uh, God is obviously working yep. in him, and we get a sense that Saul, with God's you know, God is bringing out Saul's natural ability or empowering Saul's natural ability yep. to be a great warrior king. Like yep. he is, he is able to get the men to fight with him on a level yeah. that yeah, they've yeah, never yeah. fought before. Yeah. He knows strategy. Yeah. He's, he's able very to, effective. Yeah. Yeah. He's very, very effective. effective. Yeah. They bring him in and it's such a resounding success. They wipe out the Ammonites that some of the people that, that were, that are, have been with Saul yeah. right from that first anointing yeah. say, Hey, remember those guys yeah. who, when we were saying, Let's yeah. go, Saul. They said, "Who is this Saul guy? Remember those guys in the last yeah. chapter? Let's get them and let's kill them." Yeah. And Saul's the one who says, "No, no, no, no death in yeah. Israel today. No with Israelite, yeah. you know, type of thing." And then they have another service with all of Israel saying, "Yes, this is our king. Yeah, that's right. Let's let's really." And so he's really established now as we yeah. move into chapter twelve. Yeah, that's right. And chapter twelve starts off with you know. So, so you're right, and, and I'll and I'll I'll give you this. Yeah, you. <laughs> I'm batting for yeah. Saul. Somehow yeah. I'm batting for Saul. Somehow I'm the, the, yeah. the Saul defender. So he, he's, he's really good at what he does. Like he turns out to be really good at what he does. I mean, he's a, he's, you know, he's a strategist. He's, he's, a, he's a great warrior. Um, <clears throat> he's a good leader in the sense that this is quite a, in, in the ancient world. I mean, this, these um, gestures of mercy – then there's nothing uncommon about that in the in the ancient world. It's how you show your, you know, as a king, uh, this can be quite an effective thing to do. So he's doing all the sorts of effective things yeah. that effective kings in the ancient Near East uh, would do. Gee, damning him with faint praise over there, Matt. <laughs> Gee whiz. Okay, so we got we've got so now this is a great transitional moment, and again, it, I think it's a contrast moment yeah. here in the book. <clears throat> yeah. Is when we get into chapter twelve, Samuel realizes that it's his era is done. Uh, let me yeah. let, let me go as far as you yeah. know. My my in my brain, the chart on my on the wall in my brain yeah. that has been tattered on my my you know as of the way that I was growing up. This is the end of the judge dispensational. You know, <laughs> this yeah. is the date, and 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 you know, there's a new dispensation of the kings. Uh, you know, yeah. the way that God. So Samuel stands mm-hmm. up and and says, okay. You know, let me just testify to what I've done and what yeah. I've done for in my lifetime yeah. to you. Now you've chosen your king, and he and he, but he, but again, as the prophet of God and the man of God, he says, "You've already begun to fall away from God and look to this king." Yeah, be careful yeah. because the way you go, and he even ends up. He says, "I'm not going to sin by forgetting to pray for you. I'm going to keep on yeah, interceding right. for you that you remember God because at the moment you're on a pathway to forget yeah. God and follow a king." Yeah. And the people are like, no, no, we're gonna, and it's like, oh, yeah. he's he's a prophet. Yeah. You're not listening to him. He's he's yeah, telling you what's right. going to happen. So while while it's true that this is this is really the end of his leadership ministry yes. as such, in another sense, this is the zenith of his prophetic ministry. That's a great. Uh, point. It, this is the highest point because, I mean, he uh, he brings a, you know. A, he, I mean, he calls on these, you know, these or these signs and wonders, basically, uh, that are just going to, 
you know, everyone's going to be flabbergasted at these things and, and they're going to, uh, so, so in a sense, this is the height of his authorities, his prophetic authority uh, demonstrated through the signs and the wonders uh, that he brings about at this point. So this is, he's looking very much like Moses at yeah. this stage. Yeah, yeah, big time. You know, you know these authenticating, uh, these authenticating signs. Yep. Uh, he's claimed his innocence. He's been authenticated as a prophet because while as a leader, his job's finished as a prophet, He's actually there's some. He's got some big jobs to do from here on. I mean, he's he's going to basically uh, brings. I mean, he's going to be responsible for bringing the word of the Lord against Saul, raising up David. And he and he, and he makes a great point. I mean, if if I look at this as like a sermon, which it's not, but it's a prophetic. It's a prophetic yeah. thing from from Sa- from Samuel. Samuel basically says, and we're look, in chapter twelve, by the way. Yeah, sorry, mention that. Yeah, yeah, chapter twelve. Yeah. Uh, Samuel does an amazing job of saying, remember that the judges who have, we've just had in the last couple of generations, yeah. God rose them up because you worshipped other gods and you followed after yeah. the other people. Yeah. You've made the same mistake again. Yeah. And, you're, and you've instead of following another god, you've now set up a king and you want to follow him. Yeah. This is yeah. a pattern that you guys keep doing, yeah. and the people, and the people, at least some of the people respond and go, "We we understand what you're saying, yeah. but we will never, fo- you know, we're going to yeah, keep worshiping yeah. God as well." And he said, and he basically ends it and says, "Listen, if you continue to sin and you and you walk away, your king." That you're yeah. putting your trust in is going to be swept away yeah. with you. It's like he's going to be yeah. the living example of what your where yeah. your heart is. Yeah. He's going to be yeah, a magnification right. of yeah, where your right. heart yeah. is, Israel. Yeah. And, he, and he's like, he almost says, and I'm out. Like yeah, <laughs> I yeah, drop yeah. the microphone and go, I've washed my hands of it. I've told you what's going to happen. Yeah. I'm here if you need yeah, me. Yeah, that's right. So then as we move into chapter 13, you know, we have the first uh, confrontation, yeah. uh, y- you know, the first real obvious sort of failure uh, of Saul. And the interesting thing about this, it doesn't seem much, does it? No. A, a lot of people when they, when, in both cases actually, in there's in chapter 13 and chapter 15, there are two major confrontations where Samuel rebukes Saul. Yeah. And in both cases, often readers uh, find it confusing about, well, hang on, what did he actually do wrong here? So, in this first story, um, you know, the Philistines have um, uh, j- um, uh, let's got an army together. The, yeah, they've got an army together. Um, and, and again, this is this is an important point that we can yeah. overlook with the cutting edge technology. Yeah. They've got 3,000 chariots. Yeah. How many chariots does Israel have? None. None, that's right. Yeah. This is the latest technology. 6,000 charioteers, as many warriors as the grains of the sand on the seashore. Yeah. This is a countless army that they're, they're going, right, you know, we've heard they're getting a king together. Yeah. There's Israelites. We yeah. don't like the look of this. Let's wipe them out. Yep, yeah, that's right. So, we're, by the way, we're also, we're also introduced to his son, Jonathan. Yes. And he's going to become an important character uh, yeah. in this. So, he has this uh, battle. The Philistines draw up to fight against Israel. And, um, uh, and they're in this position where... It's it's becoming more critical. The Philistines are gathering and amassing, yeah, yeah. and it's like we've got to attack now. You know, he's a strategist, right? Yeah, we've got to attack. We've got to attack. But Samuel has told Saul, "Don't do anything. Uh, I will come after seven days. Don't do anything yeah. uh, until I come." Yeah. 
um, and I'll offer the sacrifice. And this is important because, is you know, we're going to worship before we go. You know, it's God yeah. first. Yeah. Uh, so it gets, uh, you know, waits his seven days, and the seventh day comes. And Samuel hasn't arrived. Now, Samuel actually does arrive yeah, later that later, day. Later so, he does day, actually, yeah. He, yeah. you know, keeps his promise. He arrives later than that day. But but Saul just thinks we can't wait any longer, right? It's just, we, we just can't. Uh, we've got to, we've got to, it's, we've, you know, to get the strategic advantage, we need to attack now, right? Yeah. So, he grabs the sacrifice and he offers, he offers the sacrifice himself and Samuel's walking over the hill. Yeah. It's like, What's but going? I told you. Yeah. I told you, don't do this. Yeah. Uh, and Saul's full and, of excuses. And, and as a prophet of God, don't do anything yeah. until Samuel comes and offers the sacrifice. So, this is, this is an important moment of, in which the relationship between the prophet and the king actually becomes really important yeah. uh, because unlike all the other nations, yeah. the, the king was subject to the word of the Lord through the prophet. And, and Saul makes an excuse to Samuel, I had to do this because yeah. I needed to ask the Lord Lord's help. Yeah, you know he makes he makes it sound like he's and I and like, again, like it was some kind of talisman or, or yeah. See you you see you you you're gonna you're gonna bat him down and you and you're probably right. But I, there's something about Saul that I feel yeah I feel sensitive towards you know because at the end he's like so I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you came and Samuel's like. Well, don't, don't, you're done. Yeah. If you if you had just waited until yeah, I got yeah. here, you're, yeah, you're- I know, yeah, because you think, oh, you know, well, yes, you could you could say, yes, Saul is eager. You know, he's eager to seek the Lord. But look, in the in, sorry to to, no, to knock you, that's, that's but fine. in in the context of the ancient world, no one ever went into battle no. without divining the will of the gods. No. It it never happened. You always did that first. So this is common practice, uh, in one sense. But Saul just wants to get it. He wants to just get that part done, right? Yeah. Uh, and and I think, I think he's looking more. This looks more like, uh, you know, a pagan tick the tick the box yeah. uh, than anything that looks like faith, because you know he sees you know the men are losing yeah, heart. Yeah, yeah, the men are losing heart. Yeah, uh, this is about strategy. I've just got to do this now, and um, so. It's um, also so, it's, so you know. Admittedly, it's not much, but I think that's I think that's purposeful actually here, yeah. because with the king carries a great responsibility, and it only takes a degree of I'm 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 uh, gesturing this with yes. my hands, which yeah. the listeners can't see, yeah. but it takes you know a one degree off course. Yeah. After a while, yeah, you're way off course. You're way 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 off course, yeah. and I think this is the one degree. This is what it's like. Um, you know, God is showing us, and here, and particularly with a king that bears this level of responsibility. So remember, this is just in. This is not any ordinary person. Mm. This is the king, right? And with much authority comes much responsibility. Yeah. Comes much accountability. Yeah. And uh, Saul's going to struggle with that. I mean, Saul's going to make excuses, and and yes. he's and in in his making excuses, man, he sounds a lot like Adam. In the garden. Yeah. But, you know, Adam, what have you done? Oh, oh the woman that you yeah. made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she made me do it. Oh, it's the soldiers. Yeah. Oh, the soldiers were, yeah. you know, 
man, this looks like I, someone that's not taking responsibility. This looks it's looking like, a lot like Adam. But he's also he's also using you know the religious excuses as well, and and, and appealing to Samuel in the sense of I want to do the right. Oh, like I haven't even been able to have a chance to appeal to God yet for the thing. Look, I had yeah, to, yeah. and and Samuel Samuel sees through all of that and just yeah. is like, no, look, you've made a decision. You know, your kingdom could have been you could have been the appoint the anointed king. Yeah, you know that would yeah. be here forever. God's got another one, but you've got a role to play. Almost yeah. like I, I will be here for you. You've got a role to play now. Yep. Let's go. So this we this is now an ex- extended war scene. Like this is not we we often come to these battles and we feel like reread them and they're mm-hmm. over and done within a couple yep. of days. This is a long drawn out war with the Philistines. Yeah. And, um, you know, they go through the process, they're counting different people, and then we get to Chapter 14, yeah. where we get, you know, during this war conquest, and there's a tiny Israelite, you know, um, you know, group of soldiers, and they're splitting up, and they're moving in different directions. Yeah. They've got to do different things, and we're really introduced to Jonathan, Saul's yeah. son. And and this is this is part of the contrast yes. now, actually, between Jonathan and Saul, because Jonathan is, he is a man of faith. Yeah, big time. And and the the contrast between Jonathan and Saul uh, is important here because of also their respective responses to David when David comes on the scene. Yeah. Because what we're going to see is that Saul is going to be racked with jealousy about David. Yeah. Jonathan, who should also be racked with jealousy, no. because he's the heir. Yeah, remember, he's the, he's the, he's the heir, right? Yeah. So he's the he's one the that prince. stands in line for yeah. that. So he's he should be especially jealous of David. So so you know we see the the difference of their responses in in their responses to David. But here we're introduced to Jonathan as a man of faith, yeah. who is willing to fight faith first. Yeah. Yeah, and we—it's a—he's a—he's a beautiful. This is a great character, and so he goes on and he takes on. It's an I amazing. Mean, it's, story. It's an, it's well, before you, before we get the amazing the amazing thing the yeah, amazing yeah. man of faith of that yeah. is Jonathan, right? And at a great and again, I love uh, the point of contrast yeah. to his father is huge. Um, and I sometimes wonder because he's so close to his father and he knows yeah. his father's heart. Yeah. Whether that's one of the reasons yeah. why he's so happy to uh, happy to embrace David yeah. because he recognises yeah. a true man of God. But we get now. I want you to comment on this, Matt, because I found this fascinating. In chapter fourteen, as we're introduced to Jonathan, we're also introduced to the fact that Saul and the inner group around Saul now has a hijah the priest working with Saul in an ephod, and a hijah is the son of. Ichabod, yeah, yeah. Remember Ichabod, the Lord is, you yeah, know, the, yeah, you know, yeah. the glorious about, you know, the son of Phineas, the son of Eli, yeah. who was Samuel's, you know, teacher. Yeah, which is the which is the priestly line that God had cut off. Yes. So now, and he's still known. Don't you know? They're still saying that Ahijah is a priest of the Lord yeah. from Shiloh. Yeah. He's still, but now Saul has him in his camp yeah. to consult God. <laughs> And now we get Jonathan outside of that, yeah, that this yeah, new right. this new circle doing doing the godly thing. Is that? Yeah, I yeah. mean, that's no. I, I do think that's significant. The yeah. fact that it's you know there is this the, the guiding priest here for Saul yeah. is the son of Ichabod, Ichabod, who's you know who who was called that because the Lord has departed from Israel and and this you know the son of uh, Eli whose line priestly line was essentially cut off. Yeah. Um, so, in the same way as God is going to cut off the line of Saul, okay, so he's going to discontinue Saul's kingship, yeah. God has already discontinued uh, the line of 
um, Eli. So in a sense, the presence of Ahijah there is, it kind of is indicative of that line which has been cut off as sort of indicative of what's going to happen to yeah. Saul's kingship uh, in a moment so, uh, as well. So, they don't realise that Jonathan leaves the camp and Jonathan, and we've got to say, and his armour bearer, yeah. you know, who is like a, a servant slave, yeah. you know, warrior with him, who obviously are good friends together. Yeah, yeah. These two, you know, uh, are, fully, are fully godly, like yeah. relying on God's, you know, God's thing. And they're, and they're basically like, you know what, let's just- you know, say to God, if he, if God, if you do this and you show us a sign, we'll go in there and wipe yeah. it. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll go in and take them on our own. Two our people. Own, two people. Yeah. We'll do this. And if we see this, look, there's 20 of them over there. We'll take them on. If God does, if they say this to us, we realize God's with us. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. They're both. Oh, of it's them, amazing faith. And, here, they're, yeah. and both of them have this thing. Which and, they do. Yeah. And, and when they go up against, you know, they receive the sign. Okay. So yes, God is with us. Two of them go up against the Philistines. Now, Remember, these are the Philistines that that everyone else is afraid of. Uh, all the you know, all the men are losing heart. Yes, I mean this sounds very much like David, doesn't it? In chapter seventeen, yeah, when he comes and everyone's losing heart, no one wants to go exactly. up against Goliath. Well, you know, all the other, everyone else is losing heart with the Philistines. But Jonathan says, "No, we can. If the Lord is with us, yeah, let's go. We, we can. We can take him on." Sounds like Josh, Joshua. Sounds like Caleb. Yeah, you know, the sa- that same that, attitude. That, yeah, that's the same attitude. And that's what we're meant to see in this. Now we also get this other. We we they realize. So meanwhile, back while they're doing. Doing this, Jonathan and his armor bearing, God is with them doing over here. Meanwhile, back in the in the king's camp, yep. they go, yeah. hang on, someone's missing. Let's do a quick head yep. check. Okay, Jonathan and the armor bearer is gone. Okay. So Saul shouts to Ahijah, bring the ephod here. Like, well, he's yeah. wearing Ahijah's wearing the ephod. But while Saul was talking to the priest, the confusion in the Philistine camp, because yeah. Jonathan is like, yeah. Jonathan and his guy, it's getting louder, and they're like, This then Saul said to the priest, never mind. Like I'm not going to even consult with God now. Yeah, something's happening over here. Yeah. Jonathan's doing. So let's go. And they well, have. Yeah, they have a resounding, um, a resounding win. Yeah. So it actually looks like he's interrupting. The priest starts to do his thing. Yeah. It's like shut up. Let's yeah. just go. exactly <laughs> shut up. Yeah. Let's just dive into this yeah. battle. You know. So, so it shows. It shows you there that Saul's excuses of religious ceremony, or I have to consult God, or I've got to do that. Is actually yeah, not, not from a, it's yeah. not a genuine heart. Yeah. So, so, so then he th- then he makes that vow. Oh. You know, as they go into battle, he says, "No one, uh, you know, let you know, cursed be anyone." Uh, this is in what chapter are we in here? Verse uh, chapter tw- uh, Ch- chapter fourteen, 14 uh, verse twenty four. Yeah. Uh, Saul stupidly says. Uh, cursed be anyone who eats food before evening comes, before I've avenged myself and my enemies. So again, this is a little bit like, I mean, we keep evoking judges here. Yep. This is a little bit like um, Jephthah, yes. isn't it? Yes. Uh, you know, yes. I, I, you know, if you give us the, yep. then then I will sacrifice the, the, the first thing. And Jephthah has to sacrifice his daughter. Yeah. This is going to lead to Saul having to sacrifice his son, Jonathan. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, of course, as we know, the soldiers save Jonathan, yeah. but it's this stupid, foolish vow yeah. that that again, it's 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 very much rooted in, in in the story of the judges, and it's making Saul look like one of those guys. Yes, and it ma- and it make and you realise that Saul is is even though so to, so to, so to cut the story really quickly, as Jonathan and his armor bearer are fighting, there's there's beehives around, yeah, and and so he literally gets the end of his spear, smashes it in. 
eats some honey, feels because yeah, they need strength. They I mean, need strength. They're, yeah. they're fighting all yeah, day. Yeah. These are long battles over yeah. days, and you know he feels revived. And you know they make a point of going, look, you know, yeah. man, he looks, you know, it's like yeah. super honey. He's yeah. you know got this super food, and he's able yeah. to fight, keep on going. Um, the 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 rest of the soldiers are, are dragging their poor bones along, yeah. going, man, we can barely keep up. There, we're we're fainting here, but God is giving them victory over the Philistines. Yeah, and it gets to the point where. Um, they, you know, should we keep going? Yeah. So Sam, so Saul goes, okay, great. Let, bring that ephod, you know, priest come here. Let's consult God. No, well, actually what happens is he, he says, let's go down, attack them. It's a hijah. The priest says, hang on. Yeah. Uh, Saul, just, yeah. whoa, 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 wait yeah. a second. We should consult God first. Yeah. Uh, Saul says, "Ah, oh, oh yeah, 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 right, yeah, okay." I mean, I'm uh, I'm caricaturing the text, yes. but basically, that's uh, that's what we're led to understand here. Well, again, the sen- the sense yeah. is um, the the soldiers are so beat because they they're starving. Yeah, yeah. So when Saul says, "Let's go," yeah, the the soldiers are like you literally get the sense of, okay. <laughs> Let this, and, and, you, right. and you get the sense of a hide. You're going, hang on, hang on. Let's just ask God first, trying to get, trying to get yeah, a sense because yeah. these guys are fainting. Let's say, and so that, and but God doesn't respond. Yeah, he doesn't. He, Which he doesn't. probably means with the Urim and the Thummim that they yeah. didn't have just a yes or no option because yeah. they they cast these Urim and Thummim, which were a yeah. little bit like lots. It was a it was a way of determining God's yeah. will, and there was probably a th- a third one, a third option that was a kind of a, a neutral or, or kind of uh, a yeah. non-answer in, yes. in a sense. So and They realise something's getting, wrong. Yeah, and this keeps happening. Yeah. So they're like, oh, hang on, God's actually not answering us. Why is this? So they go through this thing. They cast lots again. It's we have this thing again. Again, yeah, through the families. And, uh, and Jonathan, it turns out that, no, Jonathan's broken this uh, vow. This vow that, no, again, it's a vow that, he, he should th- never have made in the first place. And also, Jonathan, Jonathan wasn't there yeah, to that's hear right. his father so, making so, this So, vow. the person whose fault this brings out is not Jonathan's fault. It's yeah. actually Saul's fault comes to the service here. And, and, and it's interesting, too, here, is that Saul is all too quick to say, yep, all right, kill him. Yeah. I mean, this, yeah. it's actually the soldiers yeah. that save his son here. And I wonder, let me put this yeah, to you. Yeah, I know what you're going to say. I wonder- whether Saul uses this as an excuse, because I rec- I wonder if he's starting to become jealous of his son. Yeah, I mean, his son has just won this battle. Yeah, uh, his and son's more, a valiant man, and he's and is more godly. Yeah, and is more honourable because even in the midst of this, Jonathan fronts up and says, "Yes, father, I I I took yeah. Dani. I wasn't aware of your decree, but I did disobey. So kill me if you must. Yeah, that's you, right. you were you were the king. Yeah, kill me." And and and, and Saul's like, "Yeah, okay." Right. Okay, and the people are like, "Whoa, yeah, we're only having this victory because of Jonathan. God is with him. Do not kill him." Yeah. So again, this this just doesn't uh, this just doesn't look good. Um, I wonder if uh, if we do s- chapter fifteen next week, uh, we might have to. We might I, I have think to. We're, we're running out of time. Actually, often in the way that these things are structured, this often sits in with with what comes next. Yes, uh, yeah. because this is the context of God uh, rejecting oh. Saul and choosing David. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk about this in. Uh, in, yeah, in, in the, the ne- in that, the next episode. In the next but episode. read 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 ahead. Obviously, get into chapter fifteen, <laughs> and this is um, it. Does this these? I think 
uh, these conversations are going to be a far more benefit if you have read ahead a little yes. bit. Yeah. Uh, make some notes, note some questions. Hopefully, we at least implicitly answer some of those questions. Yeah. Let me let me uh, just say, let me just anticipate it here. Chapter 15 of 1 Samuel, the end of it here, is one of my favourite, favourite moments in Samuel's life to do with King Agag. Uh, this is one of my fa- this is one of my one of my favourite moments. I'll just we'll get into that on the next episode. But just to get you you wet your appetite there, as th- this next chapter is 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 this the this is the uh, you know this is the child uh, yeah. you know yeah yeah the uh, yeah, yeah the kid who was raised the, the, the on the, the kid who was raised yeah. on the Bible and oh, yeah, yeah. I love these stories. It I sounds lo- like that person coming out. Yeah, I love I, lo- I love these stories. I love these stories, but it's also I think there's a great you know some great practical things here but uh, we're going to get into you know the the, the complete um, fall of Saul and even though he is rejected and he's fallen he's still going to be a major character for the next yeah, 40 years yeah that's right you know, in, yeah in, he reigns for 40 years yeah so the you know the Israelites are going to be under Saul for quite a while so it's not a quick yeah. it's not a moment they're really going to learn um, you know what it's like to live under the wrong kind of yes. king before God gives them the right kind of king. And, you know, sometimes we have to learn the hard way. And and uh, and this is, you know, God is about to do something new. And so, it's going to be some darkness before the light. And often, you know, we only recognize the light when it's dark enough. Um, but But through all of this, we are seeing that God is at work. Clearly, God is at work. God has his people. God is sovereign over all of this, and he is already at this time planning uh, on the restoration of his people. Now, you can tell me honestly, am I being too kind and forgiving to Saul? I don't know why Saul has got such a soft spot in my heart. Maybe because I identify a lot with his mistakes. I don't know. Is it just me or do you feel that as well? Uh, Now, please don't forget to get in touch with us and take hold of the listener's special offer of A Praying Life by Paul E. Miller. It's a fantastic book. How many books have we got out there that have been recommended by J.I. Packer? Wow. we got to get this one. If your prayer life needs a shake-up, please take hold of it. It's an all-time breaking low price that you can get, and it also helps go towards keeping Thrive Deeper on the air. So take a hold of that. Head over to Thrive today.tv. Well, we'll see you here next week as we continue through the life of Saul and we get introduced to a young fella by the name of David. We'll see you next week on Thrive Deeper. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive Deeper. Matthew and DJ really appreciate the questions and thoughts about what you're reading in the Bible as you go through it with Thrive. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, ask questions, see all of our resources and much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. The Thrive Today Network is on Facebook. Our Facebook page and links to our community groups are waiting for you. Just search and like Thrive Today page in Facebook now. Visit ratethispodcast.com slash thrivedeeper. If you appreciate what we do and want to help us reach more people, go to 
ratethispodcast.com slash thrive deeper. Until next time, our prayer is that these shows will inspire you to go deeper into God's Word and thrive. This was another DJP.FM production.